Let's talk buy lows, sell highs, trades, fantasy trends, still happening. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I knew who Simone Biles was. Why didn't she pick me? I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Be a double banger. Watch the video, listen to the audio, listen to the audio, watch the video. And when you are here on video, subscribe, thumbs up, and leave your comments down below. Okay, we are ready to go with the trade show, the buy lows, sell highs. People always love these shows. It always gets a lot of views, a lot of hits, a lot of discussions. Um, but as always, let's throw out the usual caveats. The five buy lows and five sell highs that I do are not the only buy lows that exist. They're not the only sell highs that exist. They might not be even possible to pull off. But what is important to note is that these are things that I think are either unsustainably high or unsustainably low. And there are going to be players on this show that I've featured back in week two or week three, because that's what happens. A player overperforms, you try and sell high, they drop back down. As you've seen by the results to most of these shows, they push back up, you try and sell high again. And it's all about just acquiring value continually. If, if you are a trader, and if you're not, you're not. It's totally okay. Some of these things are going to be just, it's more, again, it's not all about you've got to pull this trade off and it's going to be the biggest win you've ever had. Again, most of the time, the right answer on a trade is don't do it, usually. Especially when you're throwing, oh, I've got these three guys and he's got these three guys. And if you're in a points league as well, the points league formula for a trade is usually pretty like straightforward. What are they averaging? Do you expect that to change? Add up the points. Two for ones, unbalanced trades. Look at the value of a player on a waiver wire. And if you think there's a difference of one and a half points overall in a trade, what's the point of it? So it is you be really cautious about executing trades, about how you do it, make it strategic, make it make sense. And it's always okay to say no. PSA. All right, let us um, let's get in now and just talk about how we did two weeks ago on this show. What's your guess? We do 10 of them. How many do you think that I got right in terms of buy lows, sell highs? Or, or who's going to regress? Who's going to um, push back up? Yeah, we'll, we'll phrase it that way. Let's have a look. So week eight on our buy lows, we had these five players. Devin Vassell was 145th. Since then, he's 111th. So it's an improvement. Still not where it needs to be. And I'm getting a little bit worried about where Devin Vassell's development is heading. It's not great. They're changing the lineup again with Calden Johnson off the bench last game. We'll see if that fires him up. But it hasn't been great. But it was an improvement. Jarrett Allen was an easy one. Now, that I did get a little bit of an assisted boost there. Got a bit of a tush push from the injury to Evan Mobley. But he was 123rd, Jarrett. And he is 43rd since then. That 43rd is probably pushing a little bit towards a sell high. But with Mobley still out for a couple of months, maybe six weeks at least, um, 
yeah, you can probably just ride Allen out for a little bit more. So he's a nice little boost there. Kyle Kuzman was 137th. We talked about some of the ways that that was perhaps below what we expected for him rest of season. He's 84th since we did that show. There is some... The Wizards are a weird team. There is some risk with Kuzma that there will be a trade that happens that sends him to a worse location. Or sorry, a much better location, but worse for his fantasy value. And I think that's a legitimate fear. But that 84 is about the right mark, I think, for him. Sort of rest of season. And if you got anything close to that in a trade, you'd be pretty okay with it, given that the risk with him is probably higher than a lot of other players. But that's a W. Trey Murphy, one of the easiest Ws that was out there because the reason I put this out there, he was 207th and he'd just come back from injury and you can say, well, he'd only played a few games and that was true. And I detailed that on week eight and I said, but yes, when I get multiple, multiple, lots of people, man, I can't with Trey Murphy, I'm going to drop him. What is this? Do we need to hold on? Okay, okay. Let's settle down on this. He's going to improve from here. And he did. He is 69th now and giggity, and he is really cutting into Herb Jones's playing time. And we'll see where that goes. I don't believe that Murphy will live up to the ranking that Yahoo had him at last season, which was like 25th or something, which is just not real. But that 69 is somewhat reasonable from where he's been the last two weeks. The other one was Keegan Murray. He was 156th. And then he went out and had that, what, 47-point game. A couple of other 20-pointers in there. He's now 42nd. That's a big, big W. I don't think 42nd is anything reasonable for him. So I'm not going to chuck him on today's sell high show um, in terms of looking at his value uh, dropping back off, which I think it will. But I would consider that. If someone wanted to give me a top 50 player for Keegan Murray, and in Dynasty, if someone wanted to give me a top 40 player, I would immediately do it. Immediately. But yeah, we'll see whether they do. That's So that's a five out of five. What about on the other side, on the sell highs? How did we go there? Well, we went... Pretty well. I don't know why that didn't um, transition across nicely, but oh well, that's okay. Derek White was 11th. This one, I, I guess I could technically count it as a W. I won't though. Derek White was 11th. He's 15th now. He just continues to amaze. He continues to outstrip all expectations. I will still say that 15 is a massive sell high, but I have adjusted my projections for White and I do have him sitting as a, um, as a top... 45 player rest of season. His steal numbers, his shooting numbers, they're all like career high sort of stuff, which could fall off. And the blocks have been ridiculous. I just don't expect second round player. Des Bain was 12th. He's 33rd since then. We talked about the return of Ja Morant and getting out a little bit early. 33rd is totally reasonable for Bain to continue at. 25th, 27th is reasonable for Bain to continue at. He was just on a really hot streak and he was great. And if you were able to get a top 20 guy back, you were pretty okay with it. To Rogier, this one's again, much like Derek White, a small W, but probably neutral. He was 19th. He's 24th since then. I do still think that is very, much like Derek White, very, very firmly in the sell high position for Rogier. I think LaMelo Ball returns this week. I don't know that. I think he returns this week. It's going to drop Rogier down a lot. Usage and assist rate and some of his percentages have been way high as well. Um, if I could get a top 40 player back for Rogier, I would do it today. And I, I would do it before we hear actual word on ball. Shaden Sharp was one of the easiest sell highs of all time. He was 26th. He, in this graph, like I try to make this graph actually to scale. I couldn't do it for Shaden Sharp because if I had have made it to scale for Shaden Sharp's ranking the last two weeks, every other part of this graph would have just looked exactly the same. Because everyone else is in a reasonable zone and he went to 312th from 26th. 
Now, obviously, 312th is not a representation of where Sharp is going to be rest of season. But there were so many very, very obvious and clear indicators of Sharp falling back from 26th. I do fear that he will be in the drop zone for the next five to six weeks. He's out dealing with a groin injury, sure. But I think that at some point there will be some trades or something that happens that does help him out. But he really does sort of require someone to be out in order for him to be the guy that was putting up those numbers. He also shot the ball unbelievably, but he had just so much responsibility with Simons and Grant out. And that's where the numbers came from. And I think, yeah, he's like a top 100-ish sort of a player. Not 312th and not 26th. And the other one was Kobe White. He's 28th. He's gone down to 53rd. That's a W. For Kobe White, like if you were able to sell him as a top 30 guy, 53rd is reasonable. We knew that the shooting numbers were going to drop off for him. I don't worry that much about Zach Levine coming back. I don't know that he does. He may, he may not. I'm not sure. But White's established himself enough as a guy that can keep around that top 50, top 60 zone for the rest of the season. Um, if trades happen, they happen. But I think White's done enough to make the Bulls go, yeah, like he's actually someone that's pretty important to what we're doing here. And in terms of you know, young players that maybe we build for the future, well, he's it. He's the guy, which is amazing to say after where he'd been the last couple of years, but he has to be it because DeRozan and Vuce aren't it. Williams isn't it offensively. So it's got to be Kobe. So I'm fairly confident in where his rest of season value lies. It wasn't going to be top 30, but top 60, sure. Why not? All right, guys, that will take me to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with me, Josh Lloyd, at Locked On Fantasy Basketball to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for daily picks or it is scouting the waiver wire, we're going to help you get the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Monty Williams has given Jade and Ivy a little bit more um, room to grow over the last week or so. We definitely worry about what's going to happen. In fact, I sort of a, a footage shot that they were going to be putting Isaiah Livers into the starting lineup today, which is just, I, I just don't know what to make of this team. But Ivy is playing well. He's putting up numbers. We like to get ahead of things. So we go and have a look at Jaden Ivy as a waiver wire ad. We'll see whether it's six or not, but we, t- we take a crack and we have a look at it. Could that help you win a fantasy championship? Well, every little thing you do can always help. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And that is the same with your vehicle. There are 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make your sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it is your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. Okay, so let's look at the actual buy lows and sell highs for this week, week 10 in the NBA. And we are going to start in Toronto with the Jedi, OG Ananobi. It's been a rough season for Ananobi, really all year. Like he has not been good for the majority of the year. But we're getting to the stage now where Ananobi... It, we're not looking at... I never sort of saw him as a top 40 player, but I sort of had him as around 60th maybe, around that mark, and he's, I don't think he's getting there. But what he's doing at the moment, there's just a lot of indicators that it's just not going to hold at that level. 162nd in minus one, 154th in Yahoo, 162nd in points leagues. He's averaging 12 points, 2.7 rebounds, 3.5 assists over the last two weeks. And look at those putrid... Look, 1-3, 0.8 steals, and zero blocks. Zero over the last six games. Last season, he averaged 1.9 steals and 0.7 blocks. 
He's down to 0.8 and 0 over the last six games. What? Now, we know, we bang on. If you base your team around low-volume stats, and that is it, and you don't have killer, killer advantages in it, you are going to have a terrible time in fantasy because these things vary week to week extremely, the most out of anything, and year to year a ton. And when we go back and have a look, and we'll do this in the offseason, at the top, like steals guys and blocks guys in each category, year on year, and you'll see the changes and you'll go, wow, okay, I get it. All right? And I am actually leaning more and more into that this season going, I cannot trust those sort of numbers. And you know, this is a prime example of it. He's shooting 50% from the field over the last two weeks, which is fine. 100% from the line is great. 24% from three is shit else, clearly. Over the last two weeks, his usage is down. And he was. this is a hard team because obviously they lost Van Vliet. And we said, okay, where the, where's the usage going? Are they going to pump it into Barnes? I didn't believe they would. I thought they'd give a little bit more to Barnes, a little bit to OG, a little bit to Siakam. And sometimes it's been Barnes, sometimes it's been Siakam. But one thing it hasn't been is Ananobi. He's gone from 19 usage down to 18 for the season and it's down to 15 over the last two weeks. He's just being phased out by Darko. And, and that, that is a problem. He was at said 18% this season, but 15 the last two weeks. I think that that has got room to improve. It has to improve, really. One free throw attempt a game, 10 field goal attempts, it's got to go up. I believe. Not necessarily the last season. He's not going to improve from last season, but there's got to be improvement there. And then the other thing, it just has to be the steals. Even if he doesn't lead the league, which he did last season, his last three seasons have been 1.9, 1.5, 1.5. And I can bang on about variability of steals year on year because it's true, but he's been relatively consistently strong. My argument has always been if you go from absolutely elite to just being very good, which 1.9 to 1.5 is, you're still good in it. You're just not leading the league influencing your fantasy value by 20 spots. But he's gone from leading the league to actually really bad. And by bad, I mean like below average, which is crazy. Crazy to think that he's down that low. So while we don't expect him to get back to 1.9, maybe not even to 1.5, surely 1.3 is in the cards. It's an extra one steal every two games. That probably puts him back to 80 already. At the moment though, given how poorly he's playing, look, you, you might not even have to give up a top 100 player to get him. That's what I'd be okay to do. But you might only need to do a top 110, 120 player. He might get dropped. In a points league, um, he's a little bit tougher because he just doesn't generate big numbers. I don't think I'd give up a top 100 player in a points league. I'd grab him off waivers if he was dropped. But it's been really bad. And we haven't seen... We've had a couple of little signs. The last time we saw him play, 19, 2, and 4 with two steals was great. But that's the first time he's had multiple steals since the 29th of November. And he's only had multiple steals. He had two steals in each of the first three games of the season. And then since then, three other times. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with OG, but I do think that it is going to improve to a degree. Let's look at Paulo Bunkero. Um, started out horribly, had a really hot stretch, and has cooled somewhat, which is you know, a little bit tied into how the magic's going at the moment. He's one of those guys, though, that ranking numbers especially when you look at Yahoo, will definitely um, mislead you in terms of his overall value. He is 133rd, though, in minus one rankings. But the difference between that and what you see on Yahoo over the last two weeks, where he's 276th, 276 tells you, why well, don't why would I even roster him in a 20-team league? Which is clearly garbage, right? You would obviously do that. But the way that the rankings are presented are very, very misleading for head-to-head category leagues. In a points league, he's 48th over that time period, averaging 39 fantasy points. I still think he's better than this. But there's, again, there's no way you can tell me that 23.5 points, 7.2 rebounds, 4.5 assists is the 276th ranked player. 
He's still hitting 1.63. He's at 0.8 steals and 0.4 blocks. They're not spectacularly juicy numbers, those defensive stats. And they're down from his season totals. But part of the reason he's down so low is that he's at under 40% from the field over the last five games. Under 40%, 39.6. He's hitting 36 from three. He's at 71.7 from the free throw line, which is actually up on his season numbers of 69% giggity from the line. So what's actually dragging him down as far as he's being dragged down at the moment? Well, he can't hit any twos. 40.5%. And if you thought his efficiency last season was bad, you were correct. But if you thought it was bad, he hit 47% last season. He's at 49.3 this season. So that basically solves everything. If he gets that 40% from two back to 50, and yet the season he is at, yeah, 49.3, like if he can get it to 50, which is possible, then that 39.6% goes up to 46% from the field. His scoring probably goes even further. It, it all fixes. And then 133rd minus one becomes 80th. It's done. It's easy. But again, rankings, the memories of his value last season will impact what how Paolo gets perceived. And as you can see, his field goal is at 39.6. He was at 47 the whole season. Last season, he was at 42.7. So even if you think that, well, maybe the 47 is a little bit high compared to what he did last season, which it is, yeah, he's worse than that at the moment. It's going to jump up. Given the way that people view him in category leagues, I'd be looking at a top 90 guy. In a points league, I would give a top 40 player for him. I think he's like a top 30 points league sort of a character. In a category league, I'd do a top 90 guy. And I'd feel pretty okay about doing that, I think. Yeah, pretty okay about doing that. Today's episode is brought to you by the Game Time app. You want tickets to something? Cool, you should. It's fun. We love going to things. But sometimes it's a hassle. We don't want hassles. We want easy things that don't confuse us, don't try to trick us. And that's what Game Time does. It takes the guesswork out of buying tickets to events, whether that is sports, musicals, comedies, theater, whatever it is, Game Time's going to have that ticket for you. They've got the flash deals. They can chuck it on your phone and go, hey, something's going on in your area tonight. Do you want to go? They'll have discounted tickets. Sometimes even after the event has started, you can get there late and get a really good deal on a ticket. They've got the views from your seat as well. So you always know what you're going to be able to see from the seat that you purchase. As well as the zone deals. You just pick a section that you want to sit in. Say, oh, somewhere there. They choose the ticket and you save up to 18% on those tickets on average. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create the account, use the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I don't know why we're running at such a snail's pace today, so I do apologize for the slowness. Let's go to Portland for another buy-low player. We're going to talk DeAndre Ayton, and it is a good time to do this for a couple of reasons. Do I love watching DeAndre Ayton play? Couldn't love it less. Like, he annoys the shit out of me. One of my least favorite players to watch. He's not quite in the um, Cam Thomas, Jeremy Grant sort of a zone, but he's up there. But he's better than this. I have very very little hesitation in saying that he is better than this. And part of the reason why I say it's a great time to acquire him is that he's on the injury report as questionable with a knee problem. He's missed a little bit of time of late. He had a three-game absence through the start of December. And he just has general bad vibes, bad rep. And that's part of it. Psychology is huge in fantasy basketball. It's in NBA as well, and anyone who talks about the NBA. He's 131st over the last two weeks, 165th on Yahoo. He's 86th in points, leagues averaging 31. And there are many people that have told me, oh, I'm dropping him. Like, what? Why? What are you doing? Like, There's no reason to be dropping... DeAndre Ayton, he's averaging 13 and 11. 
55 and 78. Like he is a category league, not even in, not in using minus one rankings. He's top 60 this season. That's ridiculous to be dropping him. But it has been a little bit of a cold stretch for him. He's averaging 13 and a half and 10.7. So that's basically bang on, right? There's nothing that different about that. 1.7 assists. Wouldn't call you call him a dish man or of any description. So whatever. Zero threes, cool. He's never going to take those. One steal, all right. 0.5 blocks. Well, he shit outs at that. Like he's never going to be. Well, yeah, three years ago he averaged 1.2 blocks, but you know, that's disappeared. He's just um, completely inept at that stuff. But what has happened here? Why has he fallen so much? Well, it's very easy. 45.5% from the field. Very easy. And his efficiency has dropped year on year on year as he takes these ridiculous shots, whatever, in the mid-range. But come on, 45.5. We know this is not who he is. He was three years ago in Phoenix, 63%. Two years ago, 63%. One year ago, 59%. This very year, 55%. Now, that's still low, 55 But 45 Come on. There's a very real argument that the 55% that he's shooting this season can even go higher to 59. So you could be talking a 14 percentage point jump over what's happening over the last two weeks. 14 percentage points takes him to like a 15 and a half point scorer with from a negative field goal guy into a positive field goal guy. And then we're done. Where he's 50th, he's 60th, he's 70th, whatever. We're set. We're, 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 we're there. And his free throws are also down too. He's at 78% for the season. He was 76 last season. Over the last two weeks, 73. And that takes you from being neutral at around 78 down to a slight negative. Now, as we know, he doesn't take that many because he's a weird player. But when you are a negative paired with a negative field goal, that impacts your scoring, but impacts two percentage categories, which vary quite a bit week on week. I would be happy to give up a top 90 player to get DeAndre Ayton. Yes, there is a risk that this team does shut guys down. But again, I would hope the majority of you have set your leagues up that this does not impact you. It is very easy to do. If you're in a roto league, whatever, the shutdowns don't bother you that much. The knee problem is something, but that that also means maybe we target just a top 100 player. People are dropping him, which again, is crazy. But you can give up a top 100 player to get a guy that it's very, very clear how he improves. Like OG, maybe it's not as clear. Maybe the steals never come back. This is very clear. He's not a 46% shooter. That is just going to change. It is going to change. Let's talk about some superstars now. Let's go to the um, barista himself, General Saunas, Jim Butler, James Butler. What's going on here? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. He's bad. I Should I do it? Yeah, let's do it because I love, I love Jimmy Butler. I love needling him even though he doesn't watch this. But we're watching to see whether he's washed because he looks shit-ass at the moment. And he's looked relatively bad all season. But he skates by a little bit. But not today. We're getting into him. He's missed the last three games with a calf injury, which is another good buy-low opportunity. He's had a history of injuries. We know this. And he's also not performing. 95th over the last two weeks per game. 186th on Yahoo is dreadful. 61st in points leagues, averaging 36 points is bad. But you, look, you start to look at the baseline numbers and you go, okay, What's wrong with this? 20 points, five and a half rebounds, six assists. Okay, that's that's cool. For the season, he's averaging 21.6 points. Last season, 21.4. These are basically just 100% in line with what he did last season for the big numbers, the PRAs. All the same. 40, 0.33s, yep. Well, he's never going to do that. We know this. But 0.8 steals, there you go. Oh, is that another steals guy? Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Jimmy Butler, 1.6 steals last season, 2.1 the year before. He's at 0.8 the last two weeks. He's at one for the season. 
He's a point. Uh, he hasn't had a block in his last four games either. That's not a big deal, but he's a point four guy, so that's you're two blocks a week that he's out. Okay, or, or two blocks. Yeah, two blocks a week about that. He, that he's down, but it's about it's about the steals and it's about the shooting. Forty six percent from the field. Jimmy was at forty eight and fifty the last two years. Seventeen from three. We don't care. And eighty five from the line. Well, that's down from his eighty eight that he's at this season, but that's not a big deal. It's the steals. 0.8 steals versus 1.6 last season. That That's it. Bring that up and you're back. Instead of 95th, you're 40th. That, that's really all there is. And even his two-point percentage is at 50%. And he has been a consistent 53, 52 sort of a guy. Now, at his age, which is 34, part of the thing that does go is your legs and your ability to finish. And, and that that is true. So I wouldn't rule it out that Butler stays low on his two-pointers. But he's also at 48% for the season. That's four percentage points lower than last year. And that 50 for the last two weeks is still lower than last season, but it's higher than his rest of season number. That can hold. That gives him a little bit more scoring. The 20 points becomes 22. But it's just about getting these steals back and getting healthy. If I, I, It depends how frustrated people are with him. If I traded a top 60 player for him, I'd be okay to do that. I would not go any higher in any... Anywhere where you see or think that Jimmy Butler's a, actually winning when he plays as a first game player, first round player per game, that's garbage. Don't view him that way. That is just not true and it's not real and it has no bearing on how you should value him this season. Top 60. If not, let someone else have him. And if they want to get rid of him, take a bargain. That is what buy lows and sell highs are. They are not about acquire at all costs. They are about acquire at discounts. They are about taking advantage of people who are panicking for the wrong reasons. Not saying you shouldn't be worried about Jimmy, but the degree degree of worry is where we look at it. And the next the next buy low is Kevin Durant. I was gonna put him on last week, but we do it this week. Fifty eighth in minus one the last two weeks, a hundredth on Yahoo. Yuck. Forty third in fantasy points, averaging twenty five a game. He's averaging twenty eight points, five and a half rebounds, four point eight assists. And again, you go, okay, what's wrong with that, Josh? That's actually pretty good. Yeah, it is. But he's averaging thirty for the season, so he's down there. It's Again, some of the hidden stuff. 1.53. Now, this man is one of the best shooters of all time. Why? His three-point volume has always been one of those things where you go, man, can you take more of these shots? Because you are actually very good at it. And yeah, I'm not even going to get into how shit this team is that he's on, that he contributes to, but he needs to take more of those. 0.8 steals. He's been always a putrid steals guy. But one of the hidden values of Kevin Durant has been blocks. He's at 0.7. He's shooting 51, 36, and 82, which again, looks great. Really strong numbers. They have great shooting numbers. 61% true shooting. That's great. The difference here is this is a man that was 68 last season, 64 the year before that, 67 the year before that. He's always been an absolutely elite true shooting player. He's at 64 this season. So he's in a downturn. His 82% free throws are low. He was 92 last season. He's 88 this season. So that goes from your best percentage category or your best fantasy category to an average one. That hurts. And then blocks. He's at 1.1 this season. He's at 1.4 last season. You get down to 0.7 and you become thoroughly average. It's really easy for Durant to get back. Take an extra three a game. Get your field free throws back up six percentage points. Block a shot per game. For him to go to 0.7 to 1.1, it's one block every three games. It's not hard. It's one extra block every three games. Not hard to do. I would give any sort of top 20 player to get Durant back. 
I might even push that to top 25 just because people are worried about inherent injury risk with him, which is fine. But he's not this bad. And there are very obvious ways that he is able to improve from here, I think. I think we'll find that. For some reason, the buy low portion of this show just took forever. Oh, well, that's okay. Let's do the sell highs now. Because, again, there are some very obvious guys overperforming. And to begin this season, Dan Gafford was on my buy low show because there were just people who were just going to drop him, and which never made sense to me. But you know I was always higher on Gafford than the majority. And we are seeing why I was higher now, but now he's pushed too far. 29th on minus one rank. He's 23rd in Yahoo. 55th in points, averaging 14.5, 8.3 rebounds and 1.5 assists. Of course, he's never going to hit a three, but one steal and 2.7 blocks are ridiculous numbers. That's over the last six games in only 28 minutes a night. He's shooting 70 from the field, which is what he is going to do, and 81 from the line. He's basically a top 60 player so far this season. And he was he has been one of... Yeah, I'm going to have misses, but he's been one of my hits in terms of drafting. And he is the guy that is on the most of my teams. I've got him the most. I think four out of eight teams, I've got Dan Gafford because I don't think he's a good player, but he was in the perfect situation to put up good fantasy numbers and he's doing it. But why do I think he's going to fall away? Well, he's hitting 81% of his free throws and he's a 71% shooter last season. Um, he's well, 71% this season, 68 last season, 70 the year before that, 67 the year before that. Just unrealistic to expect him to be an 81% shooter. And it's not on very high volume. Well, actually, actually, it's on 4.3 attempts per game. That's decent enough volume. And then if that 81% turns into 71% on that same volume, well, that becomes a big negative. And it turns you from a positive contributor to a, hmm, we're contributing to a punt here. The other thing is, is that at the start of the year, he was never touching the ball. His usage was in the toilet. And now it is up to 16.4%. I don't necessarily think it stays there. And that means that 14.5 points comes down, maybe to 12, maybe to 13. The block's at 2.7. I guess he could hold there. He was at 1.3 last season. He's at 2.2 this season. He's awesome at blocks. We love this. His field goal percentage is real. But the free throws, he's going to fall. The usage, I think, is going to fall. Therefore, the scoring is probably going to fall. And if you wanted to give, if anyone gave you a top 55 player for him, I, I would do that in a trade. But I also, yeah, he's a little bit of that later season risk as well. And he's at, at risk of slumping again when you rely upon the, the low-volume stats like blocks. If he has a couple of weeks where he's gone at 1.5, then he's like the 120th best player. So yeah, I, I like what he's doing. Try and target high. See what happens. Let's talk about Tomato Rosen because he is on the sell highs now. Because he has been relatively poor for most of this season. By his standards, at least. 30th in minus one over the last two weeks. 11th. On Yahoo, that is a fake number, 11th. 33rd in fantasy points, averaging 42. So how has he been able to do it? Because again, if you look at the baseline numbers, they look fine. 21 points, 4.6 rebounds, 5.9 assists. That's pretty reasonable for DeMar. And people will go, well, he's actually ro- rolling at this level because Levine is out. It's pretty normal. Like, yeah, but it's not. Because his usage is actually down. He's at 22 usage over the last two weeks. He's at 26 for the season. So his usage is actually down. What has happened is his efficiency has jumped back up. He's up to 54% from two. And I've talked about all season how he was on washed watch because his um, two-point percentage was down. And that's when you get older, the finishing at the rim, the mid-range stuff, the, the ability to rise up drops off. And he is old. He's 34 as well, right? But you say, well, he's just back to normal now. Well, not really. 54% is, is very good. It's a very good number. But 
he was 52 and a half last season, 52 the year before that, 51 and a half the year before that. So he hasn't reverted to normal. He's gone well and above. He's at 47 this season. I could make an argument he's a 50% two-point guy. And given that he never takes threes, if you go from 54 to 50 on the field goals, well, everything else comes back down. You're scoring, your overall field goals. And he sits at 45.5% field goal this season, which for him is really, really low, obviously. But maybe that is him. I don't know. The other thing is, this man now blocks shots, thinks he's Kevin Durant. He, he averaged the last three seasons, 0.5 blocks, 0.3 blocks, 0.2 blocks. 0.2, 0.3, 0.5. This season, he's at 0.8. The last two weeks, he's at 1.1. Is the 0.8 real? I don't know. I feel really confident in telling you that DeMar DeRozan is not blocking over a shot a game as we move forward. Really confident in saying that. He's on a really nice run of getting blocks, but it's just not a realistic thing to continue. And that influences ranking as well as this high two-point percentage rank. If I got a top 40 player back, because people still do believe in DeMar, I don't as much. If I got a top 40 player back, trading him, I'd, be, I'd probably want to aim higher, but I would definitely take a top 40 player back. There are just a couple of things there that I don't really believe in. Let's go to Punch Bob, because Portis was admittedly a guy that three, four weeks ago, I was like, yeah, I think you could drop him. He's not getting minutes. Crowder's out. Connaughton's out. They're not playing him. And then he tuned into the podcast. He double banged it, of course. And he went, all right, Josh, screw you. I'm firing back up. And he has. He's 52nd over the last two weeks in minus one. 28th on Yahoo, 31 fantasy points, averaging 18 and eight with an assist. It's really good in under 26 minutes. He shot 59 from the field, 48 from three, 100 from the line, hitting two threes a game with 0.9 steals and 0.1 blocks. Part of my issue always with Portis has been he's a points and rebounds guy who just doesn't do anything else. So the assist steals and blocks, he's averaging two combined. That is a, that's, a, that's Ryan Anderson, right? And it's really obvious what is happening here and where this is going to go. And sometimes these things can be, there's a term and I can't think, it's like additive, right? He is shooting the lights out. 64% on his two-pointers. He's at 58 for the season, 56 the year before that, 53 the year before that, 54 the year before that. Pretty safe to assume he's not a 64% two-point guy. He's at 58 last season. But he's hitting 48% of his threes. And Bobby Portis has been a good three-point shooter. 37 last season, 39 the season before. To be fair to him, in the 2020-2021 season, he shot 47% from three. Again, not a real repeatable number. He's at 35.6 for the season. So his twos are up. His threes are up all at the same time. That adds together. Adrian Griffin, the coach, goes, Bobby well, we can't miss, man. We've got to play him more. So his minutes go up. He's up to 26 a game. He's at 24 for the season. He was getting 22 at one point. But he's really riding at the moment. Some good scoring games, some good rebounding games, some unbelievable shooting games. But that stuff is going to regress. I would be happily taking a top 100, top 110 player back. He's an empty points and rebounds guy, and the points are influenced heavily by both of these percentages. Also, hasn't missed a free throw in two weeks. That is all going to come down. The 17.9 points is going to come down. 14 or 15, maybe. I've got him at like 13 and a half projected rest of season. Jay Crowder's going to be back in a couple of weeks. And it's all going to come down in, in a pretty strong way. If someone gave you a top 70 player for Portis, oh, unbelievable. I'd love it. This is not going to happen. So I'd look for a, a solid rosterable top 110, top 100 player for the rest of the season. In points leagues, he's probably a little bit more valuable there, but I'd still be looking at a top 100 guy in a trade back. And lastly, we're going to go to the Crescent City for the last two players. 
And these guys have featured on this show before. And it was part of what I was referencing earlier in the show is that earlier this year, I had CJ McCollum as a um, as a sell-high player. I'm just going to try and find exactly where I had him. I had him like uh, four weeks ago as a sell-high player when he was 20th on uh, minus one rankings. And then he, the preceding two weeks, he fell to 55th. And now he's pushed back up to 39th. 33rd on Yahoo, averaging 35 fantasy points, which is 69th. There's a number of reasons why I believe this. He's averaging 19.8 points, four rebounds, four assists. That's cool. All right, they're good numbers. They're pretty similar to what he's done for the whole season. They're they're good, right? He's hitting 3.8 threes a game, which is a monster number. He's at 1.3 steals when this man has never been near that. And the blocks, while they were going at one a game earlier in the year, they have cooled back off, but they're still well above where he's been at 0.7. At 0.7, he might be able to hold that. That's okay. The reason this is not going to hold are these shooting numbers because they are actually insane at the moment. 67% true shooting due to 50.6 from the field, 50% from three, and 92 from the line. His three-point percentage last season was 38.9. Really good number. The year before that, 38.8. The year before that, 40.2. He's running at 42 this season. I might even say that he might be a 41% shooter this season. That's okay. 50, not a chance. So 3.83s goes down to three threes. So 0.83s you lose. That's like um, you know, one point. That's about two points a game. Fall down to 17.8. Cool. All right. If the steals and blocks fall back a little bit, and then the free throws. This is a man that inexplicably became a bad free throw shooter. The last two years, 77%. Below average, but okay. The year before that, 68%. The last two weeks, 92%. Doesn't miss anymore. So while again, maybe he's improved and he's back to being an 83, 84 guy, which is distinctly possible. Totally reasonable to suggest that he might be a low to mid 80s guy. 92 is just not a reasonable expectation. He's only at 83 for the season. That is going to come all back down. If I could get a top 50 player back for CJ, I would. And the other reason is, is that this Pelicans team continues to make no sense with this guy out there with Ingram and Zion and him dominating the ball. What what for? With Ingram and Zion out there, why does CJ McCollum have the ball as much as he does? Why is the ball in his hands? Why is he dictating things? At some point, that is going to flip and we're going to see that usage, I'm guessing, fall away. Now, it already has because last season he was at 26 usage with those guys out a lot. This season, he's down to 23, and it's actually just falling and falling and falling each game as we go. 22 over the last month, 21 over the last two weeks, 19 over the last week, and that's reasonable. So all that stuff is falling away, and he's just supplementing with elite shooting. And if the shooting comes back down and the usage stays where I think it should, he is going to crash back, I think, quite a lot. You know, there are a lot of people who are way bigger CJ McCollum fans than me, and that is totally reasonable. It's not that I don't like the guy. I actually do like the guy. It's more about, hmm, how does it make sense for him in this rotation? Where does he fit offensively in the pecking order? And are these percentage numbers real? And I look at him and go, like, no, they're not. So I expect all of that to come back down. He's maintaining it. You might disagree. Totally okay. You don't have to sell high on him, but I would. I've already nailed his sell high once this season. And you hopefully profited off that. And let's see if we can do it again. We might be able to do it again. Who knows? We'll have to find out. And that is what we do um, on this show, is we find out. We wait around and we see what we can bring. And then lastly, we go to his teammate. You know who it's going to be. It's Jonas Valanciunas. Because over the last two weeks, he's the 19th ranked player minus one. He's 29th on Yahoo and 26th in fantasy points, averaging 42. 
17.5 points, 13.2 rebounds, 3.5 assists. If one thing I know Jonas Valanciunas for, yeah, it's definitely passing. He averaged 1.8 a game last year. He's at 3.5 over the last six and 2.5 for the season. He's hitting a three a game. Cool. He's at one steal a game. Cool. He's at 1.2 blocks. Imagine saying, well, yeah, Jonas Valanciunas, he's my triple one legend. Huh? This man last season, last season averaged 0.5 threes, 0.3 steals, and 0.7 blocks. That is ridiculous compared to where he's at. Now, of course, he's playing more minutes, but not that many more. 24.9 last season, 29.9 the last two weeks. Five more minutes. Doesn't mean that you double all those numbers, which is what's happened. He's also pairing the increase in steals and blocks with an increase in shooting. He's at 61% from the field, 40% from three, and 81 from the line. He's at 67% from two. For the season, 57.7. Historically, what's he been? Oh, he's sorry. For the season, 62%. Last season, 57.7. The year before, 58. The year before, 61. I think it's reasonable he's a 61% two-point guy. 68, no. Also, 40% three-pointers. Is that real? Don't think so. It could be. He's at 37 for the season. 35 last year, 36, 37. That's sort of where we're going to level back down to. And then he's a really good rebounder. But I'm sorry, 13 a game in 30 minutes is not an expectation here. He's at 9.8 for the season. He averaged 10 last year, 11 the year before that. 13 is just not a realistic expectation to get there. And part of the way he was able to do that is he's had a stretch here, a five-game stretch, 13, 18, 13, 16, 14. Last two games, 7 and 11. It is going to come back down. I don't think that Valanciunas is really a top um, a top 20 player. I would say get a top 35 guy back from him because it, he's, the way that his minutes have gone this season have definitely shocked me, and I got that completely wrong. I thought he'd play 24 minutes a night, 25 a night, the way he did alongside Zion last season, and they just completely changed up. Go, well, actually, we think he can play alongside Zion, even though they didn't think he could for two years prior. So they've changed their mind on that, and I got that wrong. But there's definitely plenty here that is still ripe for regression. So I, would, I had him at around 100, I think, which is very clearly wrong. I've got him now at around 50. So if I could get a top 35, 40 guy back off this little hot streak, I would. I would. And that is the buy low, sell high. Tell me A, which ones you disagree with. Tell me B, who you think should else could be on here. And we'll see. Maybe I'll get back to you in the comments and uh, give my opinions on whether I actually think they're buy lows or sell highs or not. Guys, you know what to do. You uh, double bang it. You subscribe. You thumbs up. You leave your comments on the YouTube channel. If you're on audio, you tell your friends, you leave reviews, you do all those things which are very, very helpful to me and this show. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. 
When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.